Hi, I'm Michael Wiafe. And I'm Demetria Wack. Welcome to PolicyWise, a podcast from Youth Leadership Institute in collaboration with California Forward and their Young Leaders Advisory Council, where we challenge assumptions, discuss, and question policy to find out, is this policy wise? Each episode, we invite current and rising policy leaders to discuss current events, social issues, and political topics in order to promote youth voice and establish a model of intergenerational policy discussions. Today, we have a special intro episode with Patty, the CEO of Youth Leadership Institute, also known as YLI, and we're going to be doing a little introduction to give you all a gauge of who we are and why we're doing this. So my name is Mike Wiafe, and my gender pronouns are he, him, his. I was born in Gimbi, Ethiopia, to a father from Ghana and a mother from Zambia. Actually moved to the United States, Southern California, at nine months old. Grew up there and did my undergraduate study at San Diego State University, studying political science during one of the most interesting times to do so from 2016 to 2020. I think my time in undergrad made me want to dive deeper into what policy is and what that does for us. Um, So I'm starting just now, actually last week, my graduate program at the UC Berkeley Goldman School of Public Policy. My main interest when it comes to both politics and policy, I think as most people, it is informed by the way that you grew up and the people that you meet. Um, So the policy areas that I tend to dive deeper into is higher education. I think first and foremost, both as the son of a professor and a former student leader that I'm sure we'll get into at some point, but then also uh, healthcare. My whole family is in healthcare. Um, I'm the only one that's not. And then also immigration is uh, that's how I arrived at this country. And I think informs a lot of people in this nation as this is a nation of immigrants. And Demi, what about you? Hi. Yeah. So this is Demi and my gender pronouns are she, her, hers. I was born and raised in California and I was born in the Central Valley, moved to the Central Coast for most of my life and then returned to the Central Valley to attend Fresno State where I majored in psychology and minored in criminology. Throughout that time, I ended up getting a lo- like pretty involved in my community and also in like student leadership, which is where Michael and I first met. And through that, I just fell really in love with policy uh, and the differences we can make with policy, which we'll get more into in a little bit. But now I'll be pursuing my master's at the London School of Economics and Political Science for, the, for, for uh, international social and public policy. And when I get into that degree and now and hopefully we're going to discuss it a lot on this podcast but i'm really interested in education policy and economics and inequality studies patty hey everybody this is patty barahona Uh, my gender pronouns are they them she her my parents actually immigrated to this country uh, from el salvador and central america they raised me and my brother in elizabeth new jersey i went to undergrad actually at rutgers university and did a, a program in women and gender studies at the time then Decided to pursue graduate school, went to the School for International Training in Vermont, and really got really humbled by learning with international students from across the world to really think about how to teach English to speakers of other languages. And, you know, much of my work has been about really creating the conditions for change, whether that be anti-violence work, health equity work, and now youth development work at Youth Leadership Institute. So uh, along the way, I fell in love, um, and I decided to moved to California. Um, I live in the Central Valley. Me and my partner are raising our six-year-old son. His name is Miles, and he's pretty awesome. Thanks, Patty, for the introduction. And since this is the first episode, normally Demi and I will be asking um, people that we bring on some questions, and we will be asking Patty some questions pretty soon. But we actually today asked Patty to ask some questions of us so that you all can get to know us a little bit better. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an honor to be on the first episode of Policy Wise. You know, one of the big questions that I have is why policy? I, I have a lot of reasons to why policy, but I think really the, the, the overarching theme is that 
Um, I think I've learned that this is kind of the words on paper that governs our lives um, and almost chooses the way that we that we live them. And something that I, I like to keep in mind is that every policy that was ever written was written by a person or a group of people and could be de- deconstructed in that same way. And sometimes we have to question policy. We have to wonder whether it's wise because policy is designed to be something that changes as society changes. Um, and sometimes it, it doesn't always act that way. The first time I thought thought about going into policy was when I was a senior in high school. I had no interest at all before this, but I had to take government. And I remember learning that because I wasn't born here, I wouldn't be able to become president. I never wanted to become president of the United States before then. And I still don't. But just knowing that I couldn't made me start to think about policy and and how things go about becoming changed um, in the society. What about you, Demi? Uh, Yeah, no, I think you you hit it really well. Similar to Michael, I wasn't like a natural interest for me off the bat. When I started getting involved like on my campus and in my community, I started taking like a really hard look at how change can actually happen. And I started to realize that all the complaints I had on like a normal day-to-day basis were because of, you know, some institutional decision that has happened at some point. Um, And everything that I wanted to achieve was possible through the lines of the democracy like in in like in a perfect democracy, those changes could happen. Having discussions about the institutions which govern uh, individuals and societies, I think, is so important. Um, and there's such a lack of that discussion that I'm so happy that we have this platform to talk about it. Because realistically, like policy impacts everyone every single day. Yet we're so uh, it's not it's not familiar to everyone. And like it pains me to know that I didn't even really know much about it until I reached the university level and I definitely didn't decide that I was going to go pursue it further until the end of my university uh, experience. I really just think policy is like a it really it can get things done and it could go so beautifully or so poorly so I think it's so important that more people more people get involved. Thank you both so much. You know what you shared really sort of resonated with me um, and makes me think about how important and critical it is to have platforms to share what young people are thinking about and so my question is, why a podcast? Yeah, that that is a really good question. And when we were first kind of discussing the possibility of having a podcast, um, I think it really came around a, a few ideas. One is we want to be able to get this message out and to share it and to have a way where uh, we can just have these conversations and have people listen to how critical some of these conversations might be into thinking about our future and how policy might be able to be thought about and be created. And another aspect of it is, and Demi kind of mentioned this, I think when we were growing up and even now, um, some young people growing up, there's really no place where you can sit there and think, let me learn about policy. There's, I mean, nobody really comes up to you and said, hey, have you thought about this? And, you know, I often think about how if I had a place to learn about policy or if I had a conversation that was maybe um, built for me uh, where I can sit down and learn more about the world that I'm living in and how it's governed, that I would have learned a lot more. I would have been a lot more conscious about it and I would have understood a lot more about the world around me. And I just don't think that that opportunity was presented. So hopefully we're providing some people that opportunity. Yeah, honestly, I just didn't. I just didn't want to be on film. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I. I think that podcasts, especially now, um, we're filming this in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, just in case we look back on this in like ten years after this blows up. Um, <laughs> um, but right now, like people are 
the way that we are receiving our information, podcasts has become a very popular form, um, especially among the youth, but also among professionals who are already in their field. And we wanted to create this podcast so that it could appeal, appeal to both. I think Michael said really well, there's like been this false advertising that politics and policy are boring, um, when really it's like, you know, it's really what dictates so much of what's happening in our day-to-day life. And so a podcast is just a, a good platform for people to get engaged and and be able to, to squeeze this in as like a normal part of their like daily routine is like becoming familiar with these concepts and these ideas. Thank you. That's, that's totally right on. Um, and I'm so excited that uh, to be on this first episode um, and to be part of what's going to cre- uh, part of a platform that's going to create a lot of change um, where many young people um, across communities will listen um, and weigh in um, and jump in on conversations with you. Um, so you you know you sort of talked about this, but we are in the middle of a pandemic. We are having um, an incredibly uh, challenging social political um, context to live in. Um, and so why now? Why, why launch this, this podcast now? Why is that important to you? I think policy is always important. Um, I think the youth voice is always important. But the time that we're living in right now, the year 2020 has been, I think, an especially prominent and amazing opportunity for young people to be able to voice their opinions, to you know, speak out against racial violence, to call upon their friends, like leaders, and and really have their voice be listened to. Not to mention that we're like right before an election, which is also really important. So I think if we're if we're gonna have the opportunity to engage people and really capitalize on on this moment in history, now now is the time. This is a this is a period to take advantage of this momentum that's building amongst the youth um, and and give them this platform. Absolutely, Demi. I I think you brought up some really critical points. COVID-19 is kind of ravaging the world right now, but especially our nation. Um, And I think right now, young people, um, including us, have had really interesting experiences, really never seen before. Um, Graduating undergrad during a pandemic, um, moving to grad school during a pandemic, but also all the racial injustices that are going uh, that are going rampant around this country that has always been rampant around this country but have never really been highlighted people haven't been stuck at home with cell phones in their hands um now almost being forced to sit down and reckon with this question that this country has always struggled with around racial equity um but then also i i think now more than ever with the tools that we're given uh, right now all of us are you know, in our own homes, having this conversation. Um, and, and this isn't really something that was maybe possible 20 years ago or even 10, 15 years ago. Um, given the technology that we have now, I think now is the perfect time to make sure that young people know that we have kind of the reins of, of change. And really, we're going to be the ones to dictate what this country, what this world will look like in the next few years. Um, and so having these conversations with with policy professionals as we kind of move into a world where we become the policy professionals, where we become the leaders. We're no longer going to be looking towards someone else. And I, and I always think that it's it's really important to have conversations with people who are going to be most affected by the policy, or maybe we'll have to deal with the consequences uh, of the decisions that are being made today in the next few years. Yeah. The youth of right now are going to be the you know, the leaders of tomorrow. I would like just to like clarify for our listeners just exactly like why we're doing this, because I think you've kind of hit it right on the head, is that for so long, youth have been out of the policy conversation. 
in a way that just practically doesn't make any sense, not to mention like the social injustices that have to do with it. But the policies are going to affect the youth the most, considering the length of time that they'll be affected by them. And so long we wait for these leaders of tomorrow when really they can be the, the change makers of today. And I think what is lacking is the engagement of the youth in the conversation. And we have a really, I think, like such a special time right now where the youth are not going to take like they're, they're not going to take like any any excuses it's like they're like okay now is the time to learn all the things that we you know all, all the injustices like this is the time to to understand and engage and figure out how to have these quality conversations and I I believe that this podcast can be a platform to to facilitating that understanding in like a civil but like productive way do you have anything else to add to that Michael you know, I, I would just quickly add that I, I think through this podcast, too, hopefully we can inspire others to find their avenues of um, creating change or, or, or trying to spur on these conversations. Um, because, you know, I, I think something that is interesting to point out and maybe critical is that all of us are kind of doing our own different things. You know, Patty is CEO of the Youth Leadership Institute and maybe nonprofit leadership isn't somebody's strong suit, but there are other ways to create change. And it's really important to feel that agency and feel that power to go out in your own way and create the change that you want to see. So even just through us having conversations, people should feel empowered to go about their their own way that they want to implement change in the future, but then also take as much agency as possible and feel as much power in order to do so. You know, they say that that your life and the transformation that you um, embody is made up of a lot of different moments along the way. And so I'm really curious uh, from you both, like what would what's the moment in your lives where you really realized policy was something that not only that you wanted to learn about, um, but that you also wanted to act upon and that you wanted to be a part of creating change. Like, tell us about that moment. You know, I, I could think of quite a few moments where I'm reminded of it, but I think the first moment where I sat down and was like, whoa, maybe that's something I can do, um, was honestly when I was pretty young. And I don't think I ever considered myself um, a current policy leader or somebody who could do that now. I think that that came on when I was in college. But I think where I thought maybe in the future is something I can do was honestly when I first saw Barack Obama win the presidency. I think that was the first time when I sat down there as a nine year old and was like, hold on, maybe, you know, like I don't I don't necessarily know what he's talking about. I don't necessarily know what anybody's talking about. But what I do know is that there might be a future in this. I didn't necessarily care as much about the direct policy conversations, the exact things that were being said. But what I did know is that it could be a possibility for me. Now, when I think when I thought that maybe I can do this now, maybe this policy thing might be for me was my first year in college. Uh, again, I, Demi and I entered in 2016. Very interesting time. Uh, and, and one of my mentors at San Diego State, uh, I had a lot of questions. I always had a lot of questions. In fact, my teachers, some of them love it. Of, the rest of them hate it. Um, they're like, why is this kid asking so many questions? Uh, but I had this one mentor that would just sit there and a answer all of the questions that I had, but not only just answer them, but would tell me, you should go to this person, write down the email, you should go to this person, ask them that question. 
And it wasn't like questions like, oh, well, where can I find this? Where can I find that? I'm like, why the heck did it take me two weeks to get my financial aid? Um, You know, like things like that about process, about being a college student. They'd be like, oh, here's the contact for the financial aid director. You should go answer. You should go ask them that question. Um, And I think through asking questions and realizing that certain people had the answer, but then also that the question that I would ask would sometimes get them to change the answer, right? They'd be like, you know what? That's a good question. Maybe we could look at this and find a better way to go about that. And that, I think that was the first time when, A, I became a student leader on campus. And I, I know Demi was, uh, we met through student leadership, but also, B, when I realized I'm not just a change maker of the future and young people aren't just a change, change makers of the future, but we could be the change makers right now just by posing these questions and having these conversations. Uh, Demi, what about you? Yeah, um, my epiphany came a lot later. In in terms of like policy and realizing that there was anything I could do, I feel like it took the school, like the grad school I'm going to, accepting my application. So like a couple months ago, <laughs> but um, I I really like just realized there was like probably like three key moments that made me realize like oh my gosh like policy this is it this is like this is like the big fat answer we've been waiting for. One of them was yeah in student government uh, I had a really amazing experience at Fresno State. I got to do it for two years. And I remember sitting in these meetings, like, in a Fresno State t-shirt surrounded by, like, a bunch of suits and being like, what am I doing? Why are they listening to me? And everyone was taking me really seriously. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is such an important role. Like, not only do I have to do a good job, but everyone in these positions has to be doing such a good job because they're the decisions that, like, I'm making or that these people are making are going to impact this entire group of students at the time. So then after that, it, it kind of just like grew into like, oh, wait, this is like one school. What if one city, one county, one state, um, you know, one U.S., one world. And actually, I would say that would be like my, my second experience is I, uh, I went to Tanzania uh, in between, like right after um, I finished student government, like between my junior and senior year. And I just remember looking around and seeing like, wow, this is like a beautiful place, amazing place, so much different than the U.S. Why? Like, why is it so much different? You know, why isn't the infrastructure here in schools? Why are these students taught three different languages and like tested in their third language? Like, this doesn't make any sense, which is why I'm kind of interested in like international policy. The last moment kind of hit most so at that point I've already decided I was like okay yes I like I'm interested in this this is what I want to do I want to see where this can go and um, I'm sure Michael and I can get into it but there's just so many different things you can do if you actually want to go into policy also just being like a active citizen (laughs) is going into policy so there's that too but during this time what really like when it really struck me like U.S. policy is so important was yeah Right after the the killing of George Floyd, you know, going to like several different protests and just seeing like, just learning so much, just thinking I was in a position where I, I knew things and then realizing that there was so much I didn't know and so many things that I had to unlearn. And then hearing just so, like conflict on both sides and all this frustration and realizing like, oh my gosh, there. Like this isn't this isn't the way forward. Like the way forward is equity, equality in a way that we can communicate in an effective way, in a way that we can like criticize each other and we can grow from that experience rather than like lashing back. And I think that this is like a really cool opportunity to have this podcast is because I mean, I personally know like I will mess up on this podcast. I'm sure I will. And like I really like 
and Mike, I'm sure you feel the same way, but like I, I think this is a great opportunity to invite that criticism. You know, if like we get something wrong or like our guests get something wrong, then that's something that like we want to talk about like with the audience and fix and grow and, and like re- let this be like a really genuine conversation with each other and youth and anyone who, who is interested or not doesn't realize that they're interested in policy yet. So kind of a broad answer to that question, but I think those were like the real the real turning points for me. And I think we're we're living in the last moment now, which is like we're still learning just how impactful policy can be. Exactly. And the, the, the quick thing that I'll add to what you're saying that, that really clicked off in my head is how policy builds on each other and how it's all almost interconnected. I mean, when I think of student leadership, why can't we do this? Well, the city. Well, why can't we do this? Well, the state. Why can't we do this? Well, the federal government. Right. Like and there's all these different entities. And I think that that's what makes it so complicated to understand is like, you know, there's city, there's uh, county, there's, you know, regional policy it's all over the place it's like this large network of policy and it's all connected and we almost have to like build our own paths through that web of of what's going on and also how we want to affect it thank you both for sharing your moments with me i end with the audience i'm so excited to have the audience continue to learn about your moments and those of other young people that are thinking about and are part of policy change right now Thank, well, thank you, Patty, for joining us. Well, I, I think Demi and I might have talked long enough, um, but you're the guest on the show, and now we're going to ask you uh, some questions. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about Youth Leadership Institute, also known as YLI, and how you got here in your role as CEO. Yes, I would love to. So Youth Leadership Institute, what a love, what a love. I've been here for the last, at this organization for the last nine years. Um and we get to do really incredible work. And, and that, that work is with and in partnership with young people across the state of California and across the country in some of our training work. So, you know, as an organization, we do four core things. Uh, one of which is that we cultivate youth leaders. Um, we don't provide anybody leadership skills. They already have them. We believe that young people come with those um, and we get to ask all of those questions some of um, the questions about what do you think about this and why do you think that is and what's been your experience and we believe that young people telling their stories is that is youth leadership so that's one of our core fundamental uh, pieces of the work we then help um, ensure young people research the issues that affect them every day you know young people are the closest to the challenges young people are the closest to the inequities so they should be leading the research that um, qualifies and quantifies uh, these inequities, right? They should be the folks that are asking the questions of their families, of residents, of their peers to really help guide what the issue is and frame the problem. When we frame the problem in our own words, when young people do that, then we are framing the solutions um, that they see fit. So research is really core um, and second part to our work. The third is storytelling. So If we do research, um, if we cultivate leaders and we do research on the issues that they care about, they need to tell those stories, right? They need to put their uh, stories out there because they're important, they're critical, and they're essential. They're essential to creating that policy change that that we want to lead. And the the fourth thing I would say that's really core to the work that we do is leading uh, campaigns. And that's often with a policy focus, right? If we have 
young leaders that have researched an issue that they care about, that they know is impacting them and their peers, and they have told those stories, we have to create that change. So those core group of young people sitting down with their city council or their mayor or their board of supervisor or their other administrators at their school sites and actually talking about the problem in their own words and framing the solution, like that's the work that we do. That's when I feel like um, Youth Leadership Institute um, is, uh, yeah, is living the work that we want to do. So those are the four sort of core areas of our work. Um, we've been around for some time. We have offices across the state um, because we had this idea when Youth Leadership Institute was born is could this model of leadership, research, storytelling and campaigns work in an urban setting? Could it work in a rural setting? Could it work in a suburban setting? So how could we test this? And as an institute, um, that's what we do. We test that work in different communities in partnership with them um, to make sure that we're listening and we're hearing and um, we're adjusting as, as need be uh, to make sure that young people are part of that change. So I'll say that about YLI. Um, you know, the model is really about how young people work side by side with adults. When you were talking about your, your story earlier around mentors, it reminds me of all the questions we ask young people every day um, about um, and link them up, right? Hey, maybe you should ask that question to that school administrator. Maybe you should um, maybe connect with this board of supervisor or their legislative aide and let's figure out um, how we can get that question answered. So those linkages um, are so, super critical to our work. I got here because nine years ago there was a job posting for a part-time program coordinator. Um, and it was to be leading school climate work with queer young people in Marin County. And as a gender non-conforming Latinx queer leader, I was like, this feels like a dream job, right? And when I got here, I realized that we weren't telling young people what to do. We were cultivating the conditions for them to do it for themselves. And then I was like, okay, I'm totally sold. I mean, I think that in so many different ways, if we're doing that, that's exactly what mentors have done for me along my leadership path. Um, and we're getting to do that here um, with young people. Uh, that's what brought me here. But what's kept me here at this organization is the constant, oof, man, I can't tell you the transformation that I feel every single day. You know, I consider myself a non-traditional leader. I consider myself somebody who really had a hard time academically, you know, barely made it through college. Um, somehow figured I could make grad school happen. Um, I was, you know, that, that young person that was sort of um, not always a part of all the discussions, but trying to figure out my way. And this organization sees that as an asset. I think they see that, you know, if you can uh, be in community with people, if you can listen to them with dignity and respect, if you can hear their ideas uh, for change, uh, this is the right place for you. Um, we get to do that with each other as an organization and with the young people we serve. And so um, to be able to lead this organization is like a dream come true, um, coming um, from it um, as a part-time program coordinator and getting other leadership opportunities along the way. I feel like I'm living the dream in so many different ways uh, and doing it um, inspired by young people every day. Wow, thank you, Patty. Um, that is so inspiring. And I know Michael and I are both so grateful to be part of the YLI team. Um, the like mission 
that you have all been working on for a while now. You know, every it's so ahead of its time, and I, and it's so impressive. And and thank you for your leadership because because you've been doing this for a while. Is there, and I'm sure you you've seen just so many instances where the youth voice has been like very very special. Do you think there's something exciting about the youth voice right now? Definitely. Um, I would describe it as probably um, like it's like a, a an incredibly historical time for youth voice right now. You know, when we look back to previous movements of young people informing change, um, we always remember them with such uh, endearing, in an endearing way, um, in a way that um, is not, you know, it's not surprising that young people have been leading movements for change for, for, for generations. But right now, for me, what's exciting is that this generation of young people is part of that next historical change. Right. Um, And that my son will grow up to hear about this generation's work. And something about that, I think, for me is incredible. Um, So the historical piece of that work, I think that right now, young people not only realize that their voice is critical and they're not they're not surprised by it. They like know it. (laughs) They know it at their core. And that to me is that's exciting, right? That you are not always on a journey to find your voice. It's always been there. And to believe it as core and fundamental to who you are in the world, like that that to me is just, I don't know, it's that's exciting. It's just transformative. Um, and I think that young people um, have a lot to say right now about, about what they want to see in their communities. Um, and we're hearing it in a way that it's been, it's never been this amplified. You know, young people um, are sharing exactly what they want to see change and how they want to see it change and mobilizing to change it. So like that is, it's just, I think the, that's always been true, but the belief that young people have in themselves right now, that is, I think, moving things um, in such a dynamic way. Absolutely. And I I can already think of moments where I, I feel like I've seen some of that shift. Um, being a young person myself, of course, not in that same way that, that you're discussing. Um, but thinking of my mentality or our mentality when we were in high school of just like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's cool. Um, and then, you know, when we got to college and it was like, no, everything is not cool. And this is what you need to do. And our voice matters. And, and we're going to do what we need to do and say what we need to say. And then, you know, the other day I met a high school student and I was like, wow, <laughs> we thought we were really ruffling some feathers. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're part of that same generation, but I feel like they got it at such a younger age where they're really growing up, you know, with a different mentality. And I think uh, Demi, at least in in my opinion, uh, we we caught on to that wind, but not necessarily as young as they did. Totally. Um, I definitely think there was like, it's like those group, the groups of like really woke high schoolers when we were in high school. And I just personally wasn't one of them. Um, (laughs) But, and, and, but it's like right now it's a special, it's a special time. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Patty, you've mentioned like the, the excitingness of Young Voice. I'm really curious, what are you hearing from young people right now? Uh, what are the policy issues that matter to them? I, I mean, I'm sure it's influenced by their background, but but from your from your bird's eye view um, and being a leader uh, in making sure that young people have the avenues in order to create the change that they want to create, what are you hearing? 
You know, uh, thanks for asking that. I feel like we're hearing a lot, right? I think there's an incredibly big movement um, to defund the police um, and to reallocate resources to communities and to create alternatives to addressing harms. And so I feel like in so many different ways, young people are organizing around this particular issue. I know that there's a lot of organizations that have done work um, for decades on this work and I think are getting incredibly impassioned right now with young people across communities, across organizations, really rallying around the reallocation of resources um, and being a part of the conversation. So not only reallocating resources to youth services and programs and youth needs, but also being a part of the decision on, on, on that. So I think that that is something that is really inspiring me right now um, and giving me a lot of hope. And, and as, it, as it should be, right? Young people should be part of making, the, making change as it relates to the allocation of dollars. Um, and that shouldn't just live with one decision-making body. Young people have to be a part of that process. The other uh, issue that we're hearing a lot about from young people is around immigration policy, right? We have young people that are being ripped apart from their families uh, and have been, and we, we can't sit still on that. And I know that young people, um, particularly that we serve, are being impacted directly by this. So thinking about what are the ways in which they're informing, changing, shifting this sort of a, a immigration policy that, that, that needs to shift um, and needs to serve families and keep families whole. I think that in so many different ways, um, the virtual learning right now has its complexities. And so making sure that young people are a part of decision making as it relates to uh, being safe and healthy and returning uh, back to school. Um, we, we see the sort of digital divide, right, where uh, school districts are sending out communications to, to families that don't have access to Wi-Fi. So how can they inform, how can they be a part of informing how uh, what is safe for them in terms of returning back to school? How can we make sure that they're being part of the learning community if we don't have access to Wi-Fi? So I think the, the digital divide has become really clear and evident um, for young people. And so really thinking about campaigns locally um, and countywide that really creates more connectivity uh, during a really challenging time. You know, I think the the last I'll say, and I probably think the issues, so many young people will come on your podcast and share more directly. So um, I don't want to speak on behalf of young people, but I want to make sure to uplift the, the importance of the census. Young people are right now uh, playing a critical role in terms of outreach, in terms of getting out there and making sure folks, we can demystify this process and be really clear about the importance of completing the census. So a lot of young people are creating that um, messaging and doing outreach as it relates to census. And then I, last I'd say is, is voting, right? I think that um, getting young people registered to vote is something that is really critical um, right now um, more than ever. And so really making sure that young people, that belief that I talked about in, in themselves, that, that we can sort of really amplify that and make sure that um, voter registrations are completed, that, that there's some hype around it, right? Um, because young people's voices matter um, more, more than ever. So that's some of the things that I'm hearing. Um, I'm so excited to hear other young people um, on the podcast really share more about what they're directly working on, but I wanted to make sure to, to uplift that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Michael and Patty. I think you hit so many important like topics that we're going to 
be discussing in the future. Um, and I'm really, really excited. And I think, I hope our listeners are too, because I'm, I'm pumped right now. I'm like, oh, if more people like Patty, you're coming on. It's, this is going to be great. And, and with that, uh, I know our time's kind of running short. There are a couple questions that Michael and I are testing out as maybe being something that we ask all our guests. But the first one is, uh, if you have one thing to tell today's youth, what would it be? Oof, this is a, <laughs> I think it's hard to sort of summarize it, but I would say to today's young people, you are loved, your voice matters, and keep it pushing, because we got a lot of work to do. And our last question is, if you have one thing to say to current policymakers, what would it be? Current policymakers, hmm. I would, you know, I'd say a few things. I'd say um, stop, you know, uh, slow down, uh, listen to your constituents, create spaces for young folks to be a part of conversations, step aside, help help young people frame those, those challenges that you're seeing solutions to in your communities. Um, and think about when it was, what it was like to be a young person and how hungry you were for change um, and let that let that lead the work around policy. Let that be an inner voice that reminds you that young people matter, and they have to be a part. Um, they have to be partners uh, to you, policymakers, um, in creating change. They got a lot to say, um, and they and they can really help strengthen your work. That's great. Thank you, Patty. Twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, that that's amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, and thank you for taking the time to, to be a part of this podcast. Since this is the first episode, I just want to let everyone that we do plan on diving deeper into a lot of issues that I think we kind of scratched the surface of today. Um, education and higher ed uh, from Demi and I, but, but also defund the police and, and youth, uh, youth conversations. And what are some of the things that are going around today and COVID-19 and what's happening around that? And what could we do to help? What could we do to engage in the conversation? But also voting. Um, um, civic participation and knowing that it is 2020, which has um, which has been a year that everybody discusses, but it's also an election year, and so there's there's a lot to happen around there. And I think um, talking about what what we might be seeing on the ballot and how to go about maybe researching those, and definitely talking to some policy professionals who are very engaged into that current conversation of what's on the ballot. Maybe some people who are pushing some of the initiatives, um, maybe some proponents, maybe some op- opponents. But then also other young people who are engaging into the conversation. So I just want everyone to to stay tuned, uh, to pay attention to what's going on here, because we really do hope to have some really riveting conversations around current events and how to make sure that young people do have a seat at the table. And then ask the question, is this policy wise? We really want this to be a platform for for other youth. And this is probably the most you'll ever hear Michael and I talk. Um, So don't worry. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And and just to reiterate, we want this to, to be helpful and informational and like a growth opportunity for everyone listening. Um, I expect to learn a lot from this. And yeah, thank you. Patty, anything else? Thank you so much for the opportunity to be part of the first episode. Thank you for your work. Uh, thank you to all the young people out there that are uh, creating policy change every single day and informing it. Um, and yeah, I, good luck to you. You got this. I believe in you. And thank you, Patty, for supporting this project. Let me know when I can come back. I can't wait. It's it's awesome. I'm really appreciative for your work, and this is going to be so dope. So keep it up. 
This was a podcast recording of PolicyWise. We are your hosts, Michael and Demi. PolicyWise is a production of Youth Leadership Institute in partnership with California Ford and their Young Leaders Advisory Council. Jared Amonos produced this episode and the music was created by Ian Post and sourced from artist.io. If you want to find more great youth content, check out YLI.org and be sure to subscribe to PolicyWise on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It really helps. To discuss this episode, engage with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PolicyWisePod and hashtag your discussion with hashtag PolicyWise. See you next time for more youth voice and policy discussion on PolicyWise.